Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to my wildest prediction, the podcast unafraid to predict the future with business and tech visionaries. I'm your host, Tom Goodwin, guiding you through the most daring forecasts. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Caroline Spiegel, CEO and founder of Quinn, a revolutionary force in adult entertainment. Caroline is reshaping the landscape through an innovative audio platform pioneering a porn app crafted by women. Her approach stems from her personal experiences with sexual dysfunction during recovery from an eating disorder leading to her to unveil Quinn in 2021. The subscription-based app specializes in audio erotica, not only addressing a significant market gap, but also offering a distinct and personalized approach to intimate content. Caroline joins us today to delve into the future of erotic content creation and consumption. So welcome to the show, Caroline. We're here to talk about your wildest prediction. So let's uh, kick off with that. What is your wildest prediction about the future? Hi, Tom. My wildest prediction is that in the future, people will listen to porn instead of watching it. Wow, that's um, quite against this moment. We <laughs> seem to be sort of surgically attached to our screen, sort of staring at anything that moves. Um, what makes you say that? Well, you know, we are recording a podcast, and uh, so there are, there are several kind of um, genres where audio has really made it uh, to the forefront, but erotic content is not one of them. For example, music, podcasts, um, audiobooks, and then, of course, regular books. You know, imagination is a really powerful tool, so happy to dig in more. But I, I run an app called Quinn, and it's an app for audio erotica. Uh, tell us more about this app. It sounds quite intriguing. um it's sort of like people call it like horny headspace but we have like a lot of these voice actors it's like um also sort of like spotify where you can browse different voice actors on quinn and they all basically voice erotic stories but they're really immersive so you're sort of in the story with them they're around 20 minutes long and they're talking directly to you and it's really been cool to see we've grown 400% year over year for two years. And we're just kind of on a mission to make ethical, immersive, female first erotic content. So. And how is this stuff made? Like who writes it? Who produces it? Who voices it? Can anyone have a go and sort of be part of a marketplace or something? Yeah, exactly. It's basically a marketplace of these voice actors that um, script, record, and edit their audios, which of course wouldn't be possible if it was visual content or would, at least it would be a lot harder. So yeah, these the creators, we call them. Uh, there are times when I worry if I'm saying something that's extremely cliched, but is it kind of true that there's a bit of a sort of gender delineation here and sort of men like seeing things or, or sort of touching things and women work more with their imagination or is that a very lazy, stupid thing to think? No, I mean, I think it's it's hard to say why Quinn resonates with women. 
Um, I think that's, you know, one possible explanation. Another possible explanation is that our whole current porn industry is kind of molded in the male gaze. And, you know, for example, like romance novels are really popular with women because for the most part, they're written by women. And, you know, there's in the porn industry, most of these production companies are run by men. So Quinn is kind of trying to make something for the female gaze, but I guess it's, it's audio, so it's not really gaze. <laughs> the female <laughs> ear. <laughs> so many questions I want to know, and I'm trying to figure out what's appropriate and which order. Um, I mean, how are people supposed to use this? Is this a sort of, um, is this making your commute more fun? Is this a sort of way to fall asleep? Is this, is this sort of about like sex and sort of orgasm or is this about um, sort of relaxation? Is it about um, entertainment in a, in a sort of less sexual way? Like what's this really about? Yeah, it's a great question. Cause like, for example, you know, there was that whole thing about how people would read 50 shades of gray on the subway. Right. So there's, there's some audios that are more of a slow burn that you could listen to in the car, on the subway, or whatever. And they're also, in general, in an audio, like the first 10 minutes are sort of set up and foreplay and not super explicit. But then I would say you want to be alone, probably in your bed, <laughs> for the ending part of most audios. So there, there is a sort of ending to these things. It's not yeah. sort of a background thing. <laughs> um, yeah. What made you come up with this idea? So I came up with it in 2019 when I was studying computer science at Stanford. And I actually, I struggled with something called FSD, which is female sexual dysfunction, um, following an eating disorder that I was struggling with in college. And basically nothing worked for me. Like, you know, well, there, there's no equivalent to Viagra for women. Um, a lot of the advice you'll find online is sort of vague and confusing. And, and I was just really kind of struggling to find my libido and get my groove back. And I stumbled upon audio erotica on Reddit and Tumblr, which is where it kind of originated and fell in love with the genre and, or the medium or whatever, and thought, oh my God, this needs to be a thing. This needs to be the thing for uh, erotic content. And the rest is sort of history, but yeah. And, and is it sort of almost prescribed in a way? I mean, is this a kind of um, a, a treatment for a dysfunction or is it something much more lighthearted and, and fun than that? Yeah, I know. When I say that, it sounds kind of like a treatment. It's not at all a treatment. It's, okay. it's an entertainment media platform. Yeah. And um, has it been hard raising money because there's a sense of taboo about this? Like if you mention the word porn uh, to the VC world, do they sort of freak out or are people quite sort of open open-minded well it's interesting that you say like the word porn because it's like a trigger right for people but in the in the sort of like uh truest sense of the word porn is like content that arouses right so that could actually be a whole host of things including romance novels quinn you know visual erotic content um but i think when people hear the word porn they think porn hub they think about sort of the visual kind of tube site porn that we've become accustomed to so it's been really important to just sort of draw a big distinction like we could not be more different from that type of content and yeah it's been really difficult <laughs> obviously there is money for the company but we we've done it and i think also you can never predict how someone's going to respond to quinn as like a concept some of the people i thought were the most buttoned up you know conservative investors were the most open to it and people who kind of came across as maybe more footloose and fancy free were you know more repressed for lack of a better word <laughs> and um 
I mean, when what, what sort of category is this in? Like, what, what sort of market share is it is it taking? Are these sort of people who were sort of enjoying looking at other stuff that are moving to this, or is this sort of adding into people's rituals and their daily habits for something they weren't doing before? Well, you know, seventy percent of women use their imagination when they masturbate. There isn't really an existing player that's captured this market entirely um we certainly have a ton of competition i'm not trying to say we don't but i'm just saying this has sort of been like the toughest nut to crack <laughs> um and and so we're that's what we're trying to to do um i would say like other like competitors like um audible for example like audio romance novels you know obviously visual content like kindle unlimited um, just, I, I think about the other Tumblr, Reddit, other places that our users have gotten this type of content before Wattpad, if you've heard of that. Yeah. But this is sort of more specifically designed with this need in mind. It's, it's sort of shorter format and, um, a bit more sort of accelerated in some way, a bit more intense. No, that's exactly it. Like, I think a lot of, like a lot of women would love to have the time to read 200 pages, right. Every time they wanted to get off, but that's not realistic for like the modern woman's like kind of lifestyle. And Quinn is almost like a quick hit of that romance novel vibe where you get some plot, you get a real like kind of sense of connection with the, with the person speaking and so on. So, so when you go on, what do you kind of search by? Like, do you want me to sort of look yeah, at the take <laughs> like accents or, or sort of topics or uh, authors? Or, like, how, how does it kind of work? Like, how do people find what they want? Yeah. Okay. So this is what it looks like. Oh, wow. um, this is our latest like celebrity voice series by a woman named Victoria Pedretti. She was in um, you. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, anyway. yeah. <laughs> um, and then you see like we have playlists and different audio tracks. Oh, wow. um, and then the categories. So like this is like often as a new user, I'll read it to you. But it's like accents, boyfriend, coworkers, um, dirty talk, edging, enemies to lovers, exes. Um, F-DOM, which is like female in the dominant position, M-DOM, which is like the male in the dominant position, historical, in public, infidelity, you get it, but yeah. So you must get quite a lot of um, a sense of the kind of current um, sort of pulse of the nation almost, you know, what, <laughs> what are people suddenly sort of um, looking for? Does it, does it change Absolutely. Well, um, someone asked me this the other day, and it's very interesting. Since the launch of Quinn, our number one most like um played tag has been boyfriend which is kind of interesting but i would say i definitely see ebbs and flows and other things like if like when bridgerton came out we had a big surge in historical uh <laughs> you know interest <laughs> um or you know um if there's like kind of yeah just like a cultural moment around something i would say we definitely see that in your sort of journey so far, what what have you found, and this can be in any way, um, that surprised you the most? Well, okay, this is kind of a random one that occurs to me, but I think people, I think I wrongly assumed that marketing a product to women would be easy. I thought I'm a woman, I know what's like what I like. You know, you just make it pretty, you make it cool, whatever. Um, I think women are the most shrewd um, sort of uh, see, they see right through any marketing bullshit and they just cut right to the core of what your product is. 
And it's been extremely humbling to market a product to women. I just feel like it's, it's just been amazing because it's like to earn the respect of the female consumer, specifically for a product that doesn't have to do with like her external beauty or weight loss or something like that. Like it's a product she genuinely has to like, right, to use. It's just been a really kind of filling experience to, to earn the, the customership of women. And <laughs> um, when you kind of look at your customer base, I mean, is it, is it entirely women or, or does it sort of just skew heavily that way? And are people coming in and then spending longer and longer and, and telling their friends? Like, what's the sort of profile? Yeah, great question. So it's 70% women, 30% men, which interestingly is the inverse of Pornhub, which is more like 70% men, 30% women. And by the way, I actually think like per my prediction that men will eventually use Quinn in great numbers. And I think often like women will tell their boyfriends or their partners like, hey, listen to this with me. This is really working for me. You know, like I'm feeling turned on and I, you know, and I want to share that with you. Um, And it's a really sort of playful and light way to share that type of moment. Whereas I feel like like sharing a clip from Pornhub is really kind of doesn't feel very good in a couple. Is there a kind of like a, a sort of ethical move behind it as well? Because there's obviously quite a lot of concerns with the production of porn and, and, and everything that goes on behind the scenes and the economics of it all. Yeah, it's a really, God, it's just such a tough problem. And I don't claim to be like an expert on the porn industry. What I do know is that it's very difficult to make ethical visual porn. And we're lucky that we can sort of bypass a lot of those ethical concerns just by it being audio. That said, it's definitely totally possible to make unethical audio porn, right? You could like steal it or, or you know, host it uh, illegally, whatever. Um, but I, I do I think that visual content historically is a, a more fraught, um, difficult, like genre, yes. And I think also, I mean, for consumers and performers alike, I think everyone wants a better option is the bottom line. Or there's nothing wrong with adding another option, right? Um, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, people always assume that these things have to take market share from something rather than add to it. Is there, um, I mean, is there an impact of technology on all this? You know, when you when you first started talking about the app and the idea behind it, you know, because everyone's always talking about AI, it suddenly sort of hit me that obviously AI could be writing these stories, AI could be personalizing them, um, our voices could be sort of generated by AI. Is that, is that a sort of threat or an opportunity for you? I mean, you know, it's interesting because so much of our business, we're really lucky that we work with these creators that have like diehard fandoms, you know, those like creators I was mentioning, the voice actors that create these audios. And so when I try and think about the role of AI, while I'm sure like the technology will become so much more part of our business and, and everyone's lives, like I just don't see AI ever being able to do that job um, because of just, it's like imagining like if, I don't know, your favorite musician was an AI, it would be just like, what? It would be terrible. So I think um, it's not just about the production of the content. It's the humanity and the connection and the intimacy you feel with the, with the, with the creator. But I think in terms of like um, recommending audios to users and other ways that AI supports content businesses, I'm sure, and we're paying attention to it. I'm sure there are lots of ways in, in which it will become 
like a more and more important technology for us. I just don't see it ever like replacing creators, I guess. I mean, more sort of broadly, um, you know, what do you think um, the sort of future of, of sort of sex in the digital world is? Because it, it's... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's very interesting how taboo this stuff all is. I mean, I've worked in advertising most of my life, and the idea that you might place an ad on Pornhub um, would be absurd to most brands. But at the same time, the traffic going to these sites is extraordinary. Um, There's something quite interesting about a modern world where there's so much transparency and there's more honesty and more connection. But um, almost everything about the internet that's ever been written would be in complete denial of the existence of pornography. Um, the fact that almost all tech advances have, have normally come in first, you know, through pornography, um, and yet we never talk about it. Do you think this can be part of a, a movement to try and sort of destigmatize it somehow? Absolutely. And it's a really just interesting thing to look at, because like you say, like in some ways, you know, porn has been sort of relegated to this like dirty, hidden corner of the internet. And then in other ways, it's all around us. You know, it's Bridgerton, it's Fifty Shades of Grey. It's, um, you know, these stories that capture the minds of people everywhere. So I, I guess it kind of depends what your definition is of erotic content and how willing you are to rethink it and reimagine it. And, and, and that's kind of the whole thing with Quinn. It's like we're trying to broaden people's, like, experience with um, – erotic content and instead of having that feeling of like slamming your laptop shut and shoving it under the pillow and feeling embarrassed and shameful you just feel like oh this is just an integrated like part of my life that I enjoy and that's part of my relationships and part of my well-being you've obviously had a bit of um, VC funding behind you um are they giving you a lot of advice and telling you what to do and sort of forcing you to grow beyond this because I would never call it a niche because it's obviously a huge Mm -hmm. part of more than 50% of the world's population's lives. Um, But I kind of wonder where the plans are for this to kind of go, you know, do people expect this to broaden out into video content or to be more Mm. about sort of general wellness or, you know, sort of mental um, replenishment or something like that? Yeah. I mean, I I honestly, like, I think it's, uh, I think like, the the main misconception with Quinn, like you're saying, is that it's a niche that it's for pe- that's for audiophiles, that it's for people that only you know like this one weird kind of tiny, like I don't know niche, I guess. Uh, but the whole point of Quinn is that we're trying to introduce a genre of erotic content that has the potential to actually be completely mainstream, and so that to me just is like a massive opportunity from a VC perspective. I definitely think like VCs are starting to see just to speak to the general venture climate, like who's swimming with their clothes on a little bit. You know, there are a lot of businesses that raised way too much money at um, fake valuations and are, and now it's the, it's time to pay the piper. But 
otherwise. And and I consider Quinn lucky that we didn't do that, even though we tried to. Like, I mean, we didn't try to raise a big valuation, but we certainly try have tried and failed to raise um, at various points. And I think we we lucked out that we were on sort of like a shoestring budget because it really helped us stay true to the business and figure out what was moving the needle. Are you growing sort of internationally at the moment? Is the is the site just in English? Um, what kind of markets do you think you'll go to? Yeah, we've just started introducing more and more bilingual audios. So we actually just, they'll, they'll be like English, but with mixed in dirty talk of like, say, Spanish or, or whatever. And we're just kind of seeing how that goes. But for the most part, we are totally international. We're available worldwide, but most of our audios are in English. And um, how do you think sort of technology could change what the app becomes? I mean, is there a sort of long-term future vision that technology will be such that, um, you know, VR headsets are obviously a classic example, although sort of completely against the spirit of imagination and audio (laughs) or, you know, sort of things that touch you. There's always been these sort of various items of clothing that are supposed to sort of envelop you with a big hug, you know, with your sort of boyfriend or girlfriend that's across the world. Like, do you kind of have this sort of big dream that somehow, you know, sex will um, be sort of removed from location in that way or is that not really sort of part of your canvas I guess oh it's so interesting um people often say like oh are you trying to create sort of like virtual boyfriends right this concept you're talking about and I feel like like that's one interpretation or like that's one possibility it's not really what we're trying to do but I think another one is just like raising the bar for your IRL for your like in real life relationships. So like you listen to an audio on quid and you're like, Oh my God, I didn't even know what aftercare was. I didn't know that like, you know, these were the types of things I could say to ask for consent in a really sexy, gentle way. Right. And then in your real life relationships, you try it out or you see, you know, and, and people always say like, Oh, like, you know, the bars in the sky now after listening to Quinn or whatever, because it's a way to learn about this really intimate part of life that we don't get to see, you know, we don't get to see it on TV or we don't get to see what our friends are doing. And so it's, it's hard to find really good resources to learn. So do you kind of worry a bit that this starts to take away from real life companionship in a way? Like, um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of reports about how lonely people are. There's a lot of data that suggests that people are having less sex, you know, across all demographics. Is there a sense that this is sort of moving towards that world of, not really talking to other people and um, there being sort of technology that gets in the way. You know, I, I'm sure that's always a risk. And there's this phenomenon called parasocial relationships. Um, and I think it's about the extent to which like the individual lets that, uh, you know, take hold of their lives. Like I think having to some extent, like all of our relationships to influencers and content creators and celebrities are like a bit parasocial. You you hear people say, Oh, my favorite podcaster is like my best friend. It's like, no, you know, they don't, you don't know them. Right. Um, so I, I think there is a bit of that dynamic at play and it's really important for us and for everyone to keep in mind that, you know, these aren't real. I mean, it sounds kind of dystopian, doesn't it? But it's like, these aren't real friendships. They don't know each other. Um, and, and holding those boundaries, both on the creator side and the listener side, is very important to us. What do you think you can sort of do about that? I mean, um, mm-hmm. do you have this sort of sense that your role could be to ensure that people almost consume this in a kind of responsible way? You know, how can this sort of trigger 
real life moments as well? Well, one thing that Quinn offers to creators that I think, for example, like an OnlyFans doesn't offer to creators is that we really handle a lot of the management, community management, moderation, um, maintaining a quality bar across the platform that you don't get on on something like an OnlyFans where the creator really has to bear the burden of interacting with, you know, both the respectful fans and the not so respectful fans who are constantly pushing their boundaries and so on. And and we really on with Quinn, we don't tolerate, we have community guidelines. We don't tolerate sort of excessive uh, boundary pushing, obviously harassment or bullying or anything like that. Um, but, but I think like harassment can, can also fall into that category of like presumed real life closeness. That's, that's not okay. Right. So, yeah. It's, it's always weird to me because we didn't really grow up um, in preparation for this world, you know, we're kind of designed to live in small tribes or small villages. And, um, mm. I, I find the idea of sort of asymmetric intimacy, particularly interesting where, um, you know, anyone on Twitter with more than a couple of thousand people, they feel like they're known by some people and yet they're kind of strangers. And there's a sort of a one way sort of intimacy almost. And it, it's interesting to me, the degree to which we've not really been sort of prepared for that. What do you think are going to be the big sort of opportunities and challenges for the future, would you say? I think um, one challenge with Quinn that we've already kind of started to crack a little bit is how to get people to talk about this um, genre in a way that feels comfortable for them. And you're really dealing with like a spectrum of comfortability around sex. Like you have some people who are super like sex positive and open and some people who are, you know, have literally never talked about sex out loud in their entire lives. And those two people could be in the same demographic, you know, like the same, um, yeah, superficial demographic. And so just like something we think about all the time is Quinn as like a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? So like, how can we make, we make these like pink headphones for Quinn. We do these celebrity voice series. We try and find ways to talk about it that feel light and fun and social and easy. Um, and so that's just a big challenge is how to get people to talk about it. Right. <laughs> Are people quite happy to share the fact they're on the, on the, uh, the website now, yeah. <laughs> but not definitely, definitely not always. I mean, I remember when we would like, when we first were looking for creators, we would post like Craigslist ads. We would be on, you know, uh, a site called Backstage, which I think we actually got kicked off of Backstage multiple times, <laughs> like, you know, trying to get people to, to work with us. Um, and now, obviously, it's a lot easier. It's, uh, yeah, it's extraordinary the degree to which it's kind of a taboo as if somehow mm -hmm. people are doing something wrong. I mean, so as you look towards the future and as um, Quinn continues to grow and it brings in more content creators, what do you wish this to kind of end up doing? You know, what would you like your kind of legacy from, from Quinn to be? Wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel really strongly about how this has changed the lives of women in particular. Obviously, our product is not just for women, but I, I would love if my legacy was moving the needle just a little bit towards a world where like the pleasure gap has been closed um, and, and there is sort of a more equitable world of sex happening where women's pleasure is like a priority. And, and I think what, sorry to 
go on a little bit of a tangent, but I think what people get wrong about the like pleasure gap or, or women not, um, you know, the orgasm gap or whatever, it's not all on men, right? We all have to work together. Women need to know what they want. And in order to know that they have to be exposed to it. Um, and I think this whole kind of running joke, oh, men can't find the clit, like, oh, men are so dumb and whatever. It's like, well, women don't know either. We're all working together to try and create a world that previously hasn't existed where men and women both have kind of equal footing in sexual interactions. And in some ways, those conversations always seem quite difficult these days, like to have very honest conversations and to talk about things in quite a deep way um, and to do so without rushing to judgment or assuming bad intent. It seems quite hard in the sort of modern era somehow. People are kind of ready to jump on you. Um, and I think quite often women in particular are quite keen to to jump on top of each other and um, sort of cast dispersions or something. Absolutely. It, it's a very hostile like environment and, and fraud conversation. So I, I think, and when you, you know, just the idea of like, bringing stories and imagination and fun and lightness back into this genre. That's what's exciting to me, right? It's like, cause sex is so like tied to that. It's so tied to like tension and plot and story and, and love for, you know, and, and romance and these things. It's like, we kind of forgot about all of that, the mental aspects of, of sex. It's very true. Actually. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, um, to be alive in the modern era is to always be sort of overstimulated and the more and more devices that we have, you know, it's sort of bigger screens that are closer to our eyes with better quality resolution and they move and they have better sound and everything's sort of being done for us. You know, like the whole sort of future of AI seems to be this doing our thinking for us. So I think anything that helps us return to a slightly more sort of intense but less stimulated environment and one that allows our head to be the place where the magic happens rather than our devices. I think there's something really compelling about that direction and that intention. So it's uh, it's great to see this exist in the world. I might also just add, like, I, I sometimes use this, um, like, analogy that, like, Pornhub and visual porn, mainstream porn, is like fast food. And Quinn is like cooking at home and like the feeling of cooking for people, it's, you know, it's so for, you know, if you really take your time, you have space and time to do it. Like it's so kind of romantic and fun and, and creative. Right. And while fast food might taste better, you might get that quick hit or whatever. Um, and you kind of end up feeling sick after you, you shouldn't really eat that every day. It's kind of bad for you. They're preservatives, whatever. And with Quinn, it's just this more like sort of creative, um, expression of sexuality, I guess. I, I think that's a really nice metaphor in a way and the idea mm-hmm. of sort of wholesomeness in a way. And yeah. it's, it's not saying fast food is bad. It's just no. a way of reflecting right. on our diets and saying what should we be doing more of and what should we be doing less of and how do we carve out the time to do something that's more nourishing in a sort of more sustainable way. So, well, Caroline, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much. And uh, I wish you all the best with Quinn. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this episode. I'm your host, Tom Goodwin. This episode is produced by Marta Rodriguez-Martinez. 
Alice Carnvali also assisted in the production of this episode. The theme music is by Alexandra Jazz, sound editing is by Jean-Christophe Marsaud, and sound mixing by Matthew Duchesne. Our editor-in-chief is Ali Isyan Aydin. If you aren't already, you can listen to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a positive review and, of course, sharing it. Thank you for listening. Listener.